0: Hey there, welcome to the Pine Island Experience podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trig Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders.
1: The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we have found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island experience so unique.
2: One of the best compliments I ever received, um, I have a neighbor in Mount Lachey, their uh, family wanted to buy a house in Cape Coral. And at the end of the transaction, the customer looked at me and said, that was really easy. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm glad you think so, because it wasn't. There were a lot of hurdles um, that we had to overcome. And, and you know that's, uh, I think, quintessential to being a good realtor is, is figuring out how to smooth out those. Um, having the right contacts, having the right education to just make that
0: happen. You heard Stephen Longest, realtor, speaking about how to be a good realtor. As you listen to his story, you will hear how he truly lives up to his slogan, more than just a realtor. And Pine Islanders agreed. Stephen was just awarded 2023 Best of Pine Island Real Estate Agent. And now, here's Stephen. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you for joining us. We're very excited you're here. We want to start in the beginning, like we always do, about you, where you're from, where you grew up, where you went to school, um, about your doggies, you know, anything you care to share with us on your, as you came to Pine Island.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Um, So I guess I'm going to start with I'm a Virginia native. Uh, Born and raised, I lived there for about 27 years. About 27 years old, I decided to move to sunny Florida. As I mentioned in our pre-chat, I've lived in Florida a few times and always tried to get the math to work out um, in my favor. My previous career, uh, when I started um, just out of high school, I went through an apprentice program. And I went into the field of metrology, which is actually really cool. It's Mm -hmm. the science of 3D measurement. And I got to work in uh, shipyards, nuclear power. I worked in uh, steel mills and uh, all over the world. Um, So I've done quite a bit of traveling.
0: That is a cool career.
2: It it was very cool. And uh, people, um, you know, often say, well, what did you measure? And I said, well, you know, I worked in shipyards. I aligned the torpedo tubes on the submarine because course you want the torpedoes <laughs> to fire straight <laughs> you know um in steel mills we uh, we aligned rollers in uh nuclear power we uh replaced reactor heads and all sorts of you know just very cool experiences that i'll i'll treasure for life
0: mm-hmm.
2: and eventually i made my way into a job in cape coral and that job was in fiberglass tooling I inspected uh, the fiberglass molds and fiberglass parts uh, for this company. Worked there for for several months, and things uh, didn't quite go as planned. I found myself out of a job. And as I sat in, in my little place in Mount Lachey, I was analyzing life, and I was saying to myself, what do I do from here? I have over 15 years' experience in, in metrology, and I've been everywhere, I've done everything, but that position left me, it's kind of the bad guy. Mm -hmm. I would go in and tell people what they built wrong or (laughs) what they needed to fix. (laughs) You can imagine I didn't have a lot of friends at work. So I decided that with my customer service skill set and my experience in metrology, that I should try to sell metrology equipment. And uh, I started looking around, and I found a job in Dallas, Texas, selling precision lasers. So I moved out to Dallas. I was a regional sales manager. I covered five states out there. And I was there for about two years before I got wind that our southeast manager might be leaving. And in hopes of getting into his position, I moved back to Matt Lachey. Absolutely ideal. I uh, found a place within a few days. I called a, a friend and, and found a place to live and, and got moved all back here. The company put me into a position selling machine tooling. So I did that for a couple of months. I thought, okay, well, next they're, they're certainly going to move me into the, the regional manager position and they called me December 2nd of 2018. I'll never forget it. The president called me, said, Stephen, you're our guy. I'm like, this guy doesn't even like me. <laughs> and now I'm his guy? What, what is this call about? Uh, he said, you're going to get us back into aerospace. And, and this one big company that he wanted to, to get us back into. And, and I said, okay, I'll I'll go out to South Carolina and to one of their facilities. And he said, no, oh, no, no. We want you to be the regional sales manager in Seattle. At that point, I had to inform him that I lived on an island in, in Florida. I said, I don't know if you understand this, but, but I live on an island in Florida. I, <laughs> yeah, I love it here. It's, it's beautiful. And, and Seattle is the exact opposite.
0: Mm-hmm
2: they have the uh, same number of sunny days as we have rainy days. I don't think that's going to be a good fit. And, uh, he informed me that if I didn't move, I, I didn't have a position with the company. Wow. It was pretty drastic. And, and so I sat down and I, um, you know, once again, I'm at this position of reevaluating things and where do I go from here? And, and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying this sales job. I really get to help people. And uh, I bumped into uh, Julie Oberlin, who's a, a local realtor here on the island. And mm-hmm. and Julie and I were talking and she said, you know, Stephen, with your skill set, you should become a realtor. And I thought about it and I was like, you know, that could could be something. I could sleep in my bed every night.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, and after years of traveling for these various jobs, i I mean, I've been, like you said, all over. Um, that, that sounded really appealing. So uh, I worked um, really hard to get my real estate license. I actually did all the training online um, while I picked up a job at the, the local Blue Dog. Uh, worked as a server.
0: Really? Um,
2: okay. So that I could you know have some income. Got my real estate license within about a month. Here we are.
0: You picked a great restaurant to work in.
2: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, the the owners uh, focus so much on on local. Yeah, just taking care of the community, serving local food. Um, it it's a great place to work. It's a great place to
0: eat. Mm-hmm. It really is. So,
1: now how did you trip across the apprenticeship? Because in the professions I've ever heard about, just to be honest with you. That one doesn't pop to mind, and I think about like you know the high school counselors were giving you tests back in the day and kind of coaching you to careers. But you know it was there was teachers or healthcare professionals, those kinds of things. So or or you know maybe somebody wasn't maybe as good at science and math, and maybe they put them into the trades or something like that. But you know that that's a very unique and interesting area, but I don't know it's one that just rolls off people's stuff. Like, <laughs> as a kid sitting in eighth, ninth grade saying, "Wonder how it's like to be in metrology?" You know, I mean. So how did that come about that you even found it?
2: So, uh, I, yeah, I, I did kind of capsulate everything quickly there. Um, my father worked as a welder at Newport News Shipyard uh, for over twenty-four years, um, and uh, he, I had a very good childhood. He was you know, the sole provider, and and he worked hard. And as I got older, my parents just were in no position to to pay for a college education. And my dad suggested this field Mm -hmm. to me. Um, And I thought to myself, oh, dad works at the shipyard. I'll never work at the shipyard. (laughs) And um, he suggested it to me based on my math skills and on the fact that he knew I'm somewhat hands-on but that the the field also would offer me some desk time. Uh, it was a good balance of math, uh, working out in the field, and mm-hmm. sitting behind a desk looking and analyzing.
0: Sounds like an engineering job. It really it, does. It's a, a borderline engineer yes.
2: job, yes. And uh, so dad suggested that I go to the apprentice school and apply for this position. And uh, it was... It's interesting, when I applied for it, you actually had to um, do a rotation through other trades. So I had to learn to be a pipe fitter. I spent some time learning to be a ship fitter, which are just the guys that mark off the plates and align the cuts so that they can put the units together. And then I spent time um, as a inside and outside machinist. So I was... Uh, fortunate enough to get to work on the George Bush carrier when it was pretty much a life raft. It was just a flat bed in the bottom of a dry dock. And I began working on it and aligning pumps. We aligned the shafts, things like that.
0: So that, that helps you with uh, looking at homes, doesn't it? I mean, do you find yourself looking at how uh, how well they're engineered?
2: You know. Even before I became a realtor, uh, my friends were always asking me to to go with them. Hey, Stephen, I'm I'm going to be getting a new apartment or a new house. Will you come look at it with me? You're you're very analytical. You always see things that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I do. I, I walk through houses and I I notice things. But um, the fact that my dad, after twenty four years at the shipyard, became a general contractor, also plays into that. I. Mm-hmm. yeah i've I've learned to look at a lot of different things and notice <laughs> the the hairline crack across the ceiling that mm-hmm. that other people might not see
0: well we we like remodeling a lot. We moved quite a few times and for each other. And then we know that we we like laying tile. We did it throughout one house. Well, you'd go to people's homes and you're you're immediately looking at the baseboards. I know that's it sounds so silly, but I'm looking at how is that aligned. You know, I mean, it was constant because you were focused on repairing a home and you would look at other people. You wouldn't tell, them, I mean, but you couldn't help it. Your eyes just drew you.
2: Certainly the law of attraction. Yeah. You know, they say uh, in real estate, um, the best time to get a referral from your customer is when they're shopping for a house or selling their house. Because that's what they're focused on. And they're more likely to be in tune mm-hmm. with uh, people who are doing the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that goes, you know, whenever you're, you're remodeling your house, you're more likely to look at that mm-hmm. in someone else's house, because that's where your brainwave is.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So you mentioned you've been to Florida four times. How did you discover Southwest Florida and specifically Pine Island?
2: Well, uh, specifically, I took a, a job in Cape Coral uh, doing fiberglass tooling in 2012. And I was living in, in Cape Coral and yeah, just a, a standard little place uh, living my everyday life. And, and one Saturday, I, I guess, I was out exploring. And um, I always took Pine Island Road to get to work. And I said, well, I wonder what happens when I drive past work. So I continued on driving. <laughs> and, and, and lo and behold, there's an entire world out, out here that I had never known about. I remember that Saturday, I was like, I want I want to live here. And uh, granted, it, it took some time to figure out how to make that happen, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm glad to say I did.
0: And that happened to you immediately when you crossed over?
2: Oh, yeah. It was just so yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, I love the vibe. I love the people. Um, it's it very reminiscent. I grew up in a, a very small town in Virginia called Urbana, Virginia. Uh, the population was all of about 800. <laughs> it's very <laughs> similar uh, to Mount Lachey, except it doesn't snow in Mount Lachey. <laughs> <laughs> it's got cold. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I was out riding my bike, and uh, I was probably probably about 12. And I had learned how to ride my bike without holding on to the handlebars. And I probably rode maybe 20 feet one day got on my bike, started pedaling, and as I was riding, I scooped my helmet off the handlebars and snapped it on. And by the time I made it the three blocks home, my mother already knew that I was riding my bike without my helmet. Of course. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> how small it was.
0: Well, Mount Lachey like is that. very similar. Yeah. <laughs> you get in trouble.
2: <laughs> well, no, I just Ask my neighbors what I was doing, and if I forget, it's great. (laughs) And then how long have you been in Mount Lachey now? Um, So I originally moved to Mount Lachey in 2015, at the end of 2015. And then I landed that job in Dallas, so I moved away for two years, and then I moved back. So I've been here consistently for,
1: uh, I guess, six years in August. So then it was really the assessment of skills and, and meeting somebody else that launched you over into realty in terms of, um, you were done with travel. It sounds like I, I, I had to travel a lot. I said, I didn't mind the travel. I didn't like being gone because a lot of people didn't want to be on airplanes. They didn't want to be in hotels. They didn't want to be going into different companies all the time. That was never too bothersome, but you can only do that. If you're not back home and you mentioned, you know, you could be in your own bed kind of thing. So well, and I'm I'm sure you know uh, when you're traveling,
2: there there's certain things that you do that that make it feel more homey. Uh For me, um, I always stayed Holiday Inn Expresses, and uh, uh, religiously, and um, it was always because they were consistently decorated. If you can't be at home. It helps mm-hmm. to have somewhere that looks the same all the time. I knew where every light switch was. <laughs> you know, A lot of people don't know this, but there's a light over the bed in the new Holiday Inn. And there's a switch right beside the nightstand. If you cut on the, the light, it will illuminate over top of the bed. And I knew where every switch was. If it was dark, it didn't matter. I could walk in the room and, and turn on whatever light I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just gave it that more homey sense. You know, I would would joke that uh, my memory foam mattress had forgotten who I was. (laughs) I I traveled so much. I I think I just got to the point where I wanted the things that other people had. I wanted a plant. And when you're traveling, you can't have a plant. I wanted to have a dog. And and now I have two beautiful dogs. You know, that was a real improvement for me was to, to just be able to have those things. Um, that you can't have when you're traveling all the
1: time and so you got the realtor license i think you said within a month or so but sometimes something sounds really good on the outside and you put in the work and you get into it and maybe it wasn't what you thought Crack up to be so as you moved in then to being a realtor kind of what was that progression and and how'd you um, was it confirming the decision or you know because of a learning curve and
2: you know, I, I hear a lot of people
1: say, "Oh, I'm going to get my real estate license." and it,
2: it it's a very glamorous career from the outside. Um, from the inside, it is it, it can be very treacherous. Um, so I originally got my license uh, in January of 2019, and I went out to, to sell real estate. Uh, I signed up with a, a real estate brokerage that offered me a a generous split of my commission thinking that that was the way to go, Um, I soon found out that without training, without support, it's horrendous out there. It is hard. So the first six months, I sold one mobile home that came from a a Zillow lead, actually. Mm -hmm. The lead itself cost me more than I made in commission, probably about twice as much as what I made in commission so it was definitely not a winning proposition at that point and uh in june of that year the company i worked for actually called me back and said "Stephen, we found a position for you they wanted me to be their regional manager so i went back for a short duration of about just under a year it was about 11 months um And went back and was selling lasers, still living here, so I was still stuck with the travel, but I also had my real estate license. I was helping friends and family, um, but not actively working as a realtor full-time. And uh, then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, the the company uh, dropped our car allowance, they dropped our pay. Uh, In about four months, I had lost about $10,000 in income. And uh, so I sat down and I said, well, this isn't practical. I need to maybe take some of this furlough time and, and get back into real estate and doing that more actively. And, and I did. And I started becoming successful at it. And with real estate, you know, people tell me, oh, I want to get started in real estate. I always tell them, you need six months of savings. You need to be able to live for just six months without any income. And... You have to do it full-time. You can't, you can't cherry-pick your time. If you're not putting in 40 hours a week into your career, if you're not investing that, you're not going to reap it. Along with furlough time and, and that, I, I worked that job until about August, but I also was working in real estate. And after August, I was able to just make the transition, and I just went full-time real estate. And uh, I'm proud to say that the the next year, um, I landed a position uh, with John R. Wood, who's the oldest brokerage here in Southwest Florida, established in 1958, and uh, one of the more highly recognizable brokerages um, in the the terms of the sales that they do and the number of transactions. From there, I did $4.6 in real estate sales the next year which was just incredible.
0: I have to say that was very brave of you to, to stick with real, you know, being a real, making that decision. You're going to do it and, and you're going to make it happen. When you say furlough, who had you on a furlough or was that just your own furlough?
2: So that was the, the laser company. They, uh, Oh,
0: they did put you on a furlough. Yeah.
2: So I had gone back and I was the regional manager Mm -hmm. um, and I was traveling and, and then, Covid hit and there was no travel. There was no okay. Yeah, um, you know, we couldn't fly anywhere, so they had us grounded basically. And after about two months of being grounded, they decided that we would just need to be furloughed. Wow, um, and uh, that was not cool.
0: Scary times. Scary I would times. Say. Yeah, you, yeah. You
2: have to figure out how to pay the bills at that point.
0: And then during Covid, and then of course Ian. It's very hard to sell. Houses, isn't it?
2: Well, and Ian is in is its whole uh, new chapter, uh, so to say. Uh, yeah, COVID, COVID was great for the real estate market. Um, it really highlighted, I think, to a lot of the world, the benefits of living in Florida. We have a, a great sunny state. We were pretty wide open during COVID, where a lot of places were heavily locked down, and we saw a big influx of people. Um, into the state of Florida after that. So real estate sales that, that following year and that year were were pretty incredible. Now, when we get to Ian, that's been a whole new uh, world for all of us.
1: So if we go back to some of the something you said a little bit ago, you said, you know, people just want to get into real estate. It looks glamorous, but you're not gonna be successful without support and some other things you mentioned. So from that kind of that initial foray, you jump back to the laser. When you came back. Um, like what had you learned and what could you take from that prior experience that then launched you, you know, into more success and being able to achieve multimillion dollars in sales and
2: uh... well, it, and, and I, I'm not a huge, uh, horn tutor, if you will, I, but I'm going to toot my own horn for a minute and just say that, you know, um, even with COVID in, in the laser sales, I was extremely successful. And I happened upon a deal where I sold um, four of these lasers at eighty thousand dollars a pop, um, and landed a, a very hefty commission check. Um, and that's why I stayed um, in that until August. I was getting that all settled, making sure that the customer was taken care of, and and getting that commission. That set me up with that six month savings mm-hmm. that I mentioned. That that cushion to know okay, now I can go full speed ahead into real estate. And uh, along the way, I I did two switches in brokerages, and that helped a lot. There were a lot of people that um, I was able to learn from. Julie Oberlin, uh, as I mentioned, encouraged me to get into it and then soon became my mentor. Mm. And just learning from her and and other experts in the industry, um, I was able to really uh, grow my business. I found, you know, what it comes down to is really just listening to people, understanding um, their needs and, and what they they want to do, really packaging yourself. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm a realtor 24-7, and, and I think that's important. Sometimes it's a little exhausting. I, w- I was at a New Year's party, and someone was asking me about the house down the street, and I was like, can't <laughs> we just have a good time tonight? <laughs>
1: But it's it's the job. You you're, know? Always and you're always on.
0: You're
1: always on. To your point, there's like looking at the home, deciding if it's, you know, if it'll work for you, blah, 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 potentially selling another property. But the good realtors are the ones that we remember are the ones that smooth out all the little bumps and hiccups that come along during that transaction time. So it's not just understanding the piece of property in the school district and the square footage and those kinds of things. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people that maybe struggle with concepts on finance and point buy down and these things like that. So does that kind of factor And that when you talk about your customer service and stuff like that, is that just kind of taking care of it throughout the entirety of the process?
2: One of the best compliments I ever received, um, I have a neighbor in Mount Lachey, their uh, family wanted to buy a house in Cape Coral. And at the end of the transaction, the customer looked at me and said, that was really easy. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm glad you think so, because it wasn't. <laughs> you
0: made it there were was a lot of
2: hurdles um, <laughs> that we had to overcome. And, and you know, that's, uh, I think, quintessential to being a good realtor is, is figuring out how to smooth out those, um, having the right contacts, having the right education to just make that happen. Um, in, in that particular transaction, the house was um, testing really high for radon.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it, which is, is not uncommon here in Florida.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: radon emits from the ground, uh, it emits from fresh stone. Uh, this was a newer house that had granite countertops in all the bathrooms and all the kitchen, and it had been sealed up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And a lot of times, radon will dissipate. Thank yes, you. Correct. Dissipate. Um, with, you know, you going in and out of the door or running the exhaust fan in the bathroom or the exhaust on the stove. And, and no one had been living in this house, so the Radon tested really high. So aside from uh, learning a lot about Radon with this <laughs> transaction, I also um, learned something helpful for my customers. You know, if they want to test for Radon, I... I encourage them to do so, um, but rather than ever getting a second test, uh, which is pretty expensive, I recommend a, a radon monitor. They're just like smoke detectors. You install it in your house, and now you have a lifetime reading of of the radon level in your
1: house. That's smart. Yeah, it's interesting. We have we lived in Pennsylvania for a period of time, and that's very common out there, um, being in the foothills, of, and invariably then you're putting some kind of a ducting system like in the basement that just fence it outside the house but to your point the closed up homes invariably tested high and of course when you're first hearing radar and in this gas and you get a little bit upset and they're like no 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 and they said you know think about this you're going in and out of the garage you're going in and out of the door you know the air is moving in the house and it just sits there stagnant and then it's naturally occurring you know out stones like you mentioned it just it builds up, but these are things if you've never experienced before. Now, like if somebody says radon, we're like, okay, whatever. You know, that you just need a venting system or you need a, it's a home that's been closed up.
2: Well, and see, I think that was uh, for, for me at first a challenge because when they said radon, I said, well, I worked in nuclear power for four years. Radon's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, sat, I've sat on top of the reactor head in a nuclear power plant in Korea. Uh, South, South Korea, of course. Um, <laughs> radon, that's nothing.
0: Yeah. Well, you you can tell you have a very upbeat, optimistic personality, and that must have had calming effects on the people that you've helped, because you're not saying we're all gonna we're all gonna die. You know, you're 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 like we can fix this. We they can tell that you're just very easygoing and, and a very happy person, that's got to help.
2: It absolutely does. And it's it's one of the key things that I look for uh, in the vendors that I suggest. You know, I always encourage my customers to get a home inspection. And having a home inspector that's not an alarmist is crucial. A lot of <laughs> older homes here in Southwest Florida, and and if you have the wrong inspector, they might scare the the bejesus out of a, a buyer because they're, you know, from up north. Maybe they don't understand the different things here in Southwest Florida. And and they give them a big report with all these red marks on it. And they go running from a house. Uh, but you get a, a home inspector that will explain these things and say, hey, listen, there are no GFCI outlets in, in the kitchen. But that's because this house was built in, in the 70s. You know, it's... Easy
1: enough to add. We had that very, very same situation. I don't think the guy was bad, but he wasn't good. So he, this is before we got the final report, but he was like, let me take you around for some highlights. I, mean, I think the home was built in the late 60s, very early 70s. And immediately he goes for a GFCI in the kitchen and the bathroom. And he's going on and on. And he said, do you know what GFCI is? I said, no, I have, You know, I know what GFCI is. He's blah, 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 blah. To your point, possibly justifying the fee. I, I don't know what the motivation was or something like that. So he says, any questions before we go on to the next thing? And I said, well, you're familiar with code, aren't you? He says, yes. And I said, well, were homes built in this era grandfathered in, or has this homeowner failed to bring the and he was forced to upgrade? He says, oh, no, no, your grandfather did, you're not forced to put it in. Well, it's big, to your point, it's much different to say it's a good idea to have GFCI in areas where there's water, and here's why it's a good safety feature versus, you know, the world's going to collapse.
0: Well, there's the alarmist that you were talking about, too. You don't want an alarmist
1: exactly. a home Exactly, and you have to understand that,
2: that over time, the, the codes have improved, mm-hmm. so... Older homes are going to have build, been built to a, a different standard. You know, look at look at even humans and, and seatbelts. You know how many people didn't wear seatbelts when they were kids? They didn't touch them. My my mom and dad told me that you know all these stories about when they were kids and hanging out the window and and now um, you know we keep kids in seatbelts and in car seats and. And there are all sorts of improved safety measures. Um, Not because you're going to die if you don't wear a (laughs) seatbelt, per se, but you're going to be a lot safer in today's methods. And, And the same goes for a
1: GFCI.
2: You know, do you have to have it in a kitchen? No. Is it a good idea?
1: Yes. So I don't know if you've heard this phrase. We heard this years ago, and somebody called it the HGTV effect. When you're taking somebody through a home, the reality I think if you're a practical homeowner is I know there's a ton of stuff that needs to be fixed on our home and you get to it when it's important or it's something breaks, but it isn't necessarily, you're not getting up every day and fixing everything at home. Do you have, do you, do you have to kind of coach people through that, that when they come into home, they're expecting like everything's been done to the nines and that, that there are no defects or flaws because it puts in kind of into your inspector story is there's the reality that no home is perfect.
2: There's an entire page in my buyer's packet dedicated to let's look at what's important, um, you know. And, and too many people can get carried away with that HGTV effect, and I've called it that before. Uh, you know, what color is the paint? Do they like? <laughs> The 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 furniture, you know, I've had people say, oh, I, I really don't like the furniture in that house. It's okay. Well, the furniture doesn't come with it. Now, I'm not selling furniture. I'm selling houses. Let's look at, you know, the location. We can't change the location. Let's look at the uh, expensive items. Does it have impact windows and doors? Um, or would you need to get those? Does it have any type of storm protection? Have they recently replaced any of the major appliances or uh, the AC or the hot water heater? These are the things that that you have to look at because paint is cheap. Mm -hmm. Uh, A leaking hot water heater is Mm -hmm. not. And I can live with with some ugly carpet, but without AC in July in Florida, I don't know if I would survive very well.
1: And I believe you just won... Best of yes. Pine Island for 2023 is a real
0: congratulations. Thing.
1: Thank you.
2: I am just so flattered and, and uh so thrilled, so appreciative of all the people that voted for me. Um, it, it's such an honor.
0: It, it's when you said compliments. That's the first one I thought of, and that's that's by the people voting on the island.
2: Well, and my mom. And I, your mom, I'm pretty sure my mom voted. How many voted votes a, a, did she do? <laughs> She said she voted every day, but we'll see.
0: But that's, that's wonderful. Congratulations! You must be very happy.
2: Very happy. Um, yeah. you know, it. it uh, there are lots of little victories, and and that one is, is a huge victory. But I I also try to celebrate the the little victories as well.
0: Were you surprised, or I mean it? I mean, did you have an inkling or?
2: Um, I was surprised. There are a lot of great realtors here on the island. And uh, I'm not necessarily the the most well-known, um, obviously. Um, but
1: obviously well-known enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that a profession that somewhat weeds itself out over time? You know, to your point, the people are kind of half-hearted, part-time. Because you would think that as somebody goes through probably the most significant financial transaction that we make in our lives, whether you're paying cash or getting a mortgage. But I mean, a home where you live, right? That's, you know, cars can be traded. They're not cheap. Um, clothing's thrown away or given away and new ones are purchased or something like that. But to, um, does it kind of fall by the wayside? So it's nice that you say there's a lot of, you know, good ones and we know some other ones and we would agree with you. But do you do people fall by the wayside because they're not making making their numbers and aren't getting enough listings, or how does that part work?
2: So we talked about my dog, Davey. Um, just before I got Davey, I took um, a one-week course called Ninja Selling. Uh, it was very informative, and I I loved it. It focused on a people approach, which is how I try to run my business. Um, and I think if you run your business like a people approach, you'll never run out of business. Um, you know, they say, and this is coming from the, the training, they say that we all know, uh, based on the averages and, and the numbers, we all know four people that are going to buy or sell a house this year. So you know four people, you know four people, I know four people. That's 12 people right there. That's potentially 24 real estate transactions, whether you're working the buyer or seller side. Um, that's a lot of home sales right there. And you, you, you go around and do that. The, the math works out. So um, they tell you in this training, it, it's crucial to be on top of people. And, and talk with people and communicate with people. And, you know, uh, just being a value and service to my customers, I think, is, is quite essential. Um, they say that I think somewhere around 98% of realtors don't follow up with their sellers or with their buyers, which is an astounding number.
0: Wow. I'm surprised at that number.
2: And maybe I'm exaggerating. But it's, it, for what it is, whether 98% or 92%, or even yeah. if it's 56%, the fact that it's more than five, I think is just astounding.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, you now, I I want to not only help people find the right house, but I want to help them, uh, you know, enjoy that house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I sold a, a gentleman a house um, early in, in last year, in 23. About two months later, he had a leak in the house. And he called me and I just happened to be uh, in the neighborhood. I was out at an open house, previewing some houses for some other customers. And I said, oh, let me swing over there. And I, I swung over and, and he was asking me if I knew a good plumber. And I went over and I found out that he didn't need a plumber. He needed an AC tech. His um, drain line on his AC had backed up and was leaking into the house it was actually leaking out of the the closet and under the floor and so when he stepped on the floor it was mushy and there was water coming up and yeah you know, he was very appreciative because he would have had a plumber out paid the plumber and then the plumber would have told him what i told him and um you know just doing things like that for people and making sure that they're enjoying their investment and mm-hmm. um it goes a long way right and i think people really appreciate it and uh, there's definitely a change in pace. It's always funny when when I go from actively selling or buying a house, I'm generally talking with my customers two or three times a week. And then we, we sell it or they buy it. And then I go to maybe once a month.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> you know, and I've had customers say, we kind of miss hearing from you. <laughs> We're
0: friends. <laughs>
2: yeah. But I, I think it's it's important Um and, uh, you know, just to recenter back on your question, I think realtors who don't put their customers in that that primary spot, that, that it's about the transaction and not the the customer making the transaction,
0: I think it it can run you out of business. And they should think of referrals. Everybody asks who's your real estate agent. Everybody does. They want to know. And that gentleman with a bad air conditioning, you know, he's he's of course gonna recommend you to anyone who asks, you know, I mean, it's common sense.
1: Well, I I hope so. Yeah. So if somebody's thinking about either buying or selling any generic tips, I'm sure there's always unique circumstances in in any transaction or home or piece of property, but things is, you know, every year is a little bit different and so forth like that, but with the current climate and so forth like that, or, just even in general, things that people need to be prepared for or thinking
2: about? Well, I I think as far as buying, I know a a lot of people are a little nervous with uh, the interest rates where they are. My advice to anybody looking to buy is is do it, especially here in Southwest Florida. Uh, Year over year, time over time, home values grow here in Southwest Florida. And I always tell people the, the only difference between a good investment and a bad investment in real estate is time. If you have time, you can turn a bad investment into a good investment. You just have to wait for the market to shift. Um, I had a, a customer that, that bought a house last year, uh, and it was quite funny. He called me and he said, Stephen, I'm, I'm so nervous. I love this house, and I'm scared that I'm going to overpay for this house because I love it. And I know you're not supposed to love it. It's supposed to, you know, it's, it's, it's money, it's, it's investment. And I said, well, yes, if you're buying a second home, if you're buying an investment property, yes, you're not supposed to love it. But do you really want to buy a house to live in that you hate? <laughs> you know, just because it was the right price, would you, you know, live in a, a crappy house? He said, well, no, I, I don't think I would. I said, well, then it's okay to love this one. You know, and if you overpay, that's that's okay. It's not great. We're going to try to minimize that. But how long are you going to live here? And he said, well, gosh, I, until I die, probably, my kids can sell it. I said, so we're probably talking another 15, 20 years, right? He said, do you know how much that house has gone up in value in the last 15 or 20 years? And and we talked about that and how, you know, in the 90s or, well, gosh, 15 years wasn't the 90s, was it? Yeah. Oh, getting old socks <laughs> <I tell you>. <laughs> <laughs> everything was back in the 90s yeah. huh? but he, we we looked at it and you know 15 years ago the, the value was was much much less mm-hmm. um and he was able to see that you know that's going to grow and and we ended up getting him the house and he he sent me a message about two weeks later and he's like steven i i just love this house i'm so glad we got this house
0: you made him very happy See, I, I think you should love the house you want to buy, personally, or or know that you're going to improve it. And,
2: yeah, and well, you, and, and you have to. I mean, if it's where you're going to live, there's no sense in buying something that you're not going to like. Yeah, you're there. Your, your house How is often? your abode, your yeah. your uh, palace. Yeah. Enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can love something and still negotiate well. <laughs> Um, if somebody's looking for your help or assistance, how best do they get a hold of you, find you, get in contact with you, et etc.?
2: Well, I I always give out my cell phone number. Uh, if you go in the Blue Dog, you can you can get one of the ink pens from one of the servers. They usually uh, have my pens. <laughs> oh, that's a good thing. Uh, and and my phone number is on it. That's that's always the best way. If you can't get me on my phone, I'm probably dead.
0: Or they can always go through uh, the website for John Irwood is good. You appear, you pop up in there.
2: Oh, the website is great for John Irwood. I'm also on Facebook. Um, So as a realtor, you have to make yourself very easy to contact. Uh, It's always the the running joke with my friends. Uh, For uh, a while, I had a friend that was in um, IT and just very locked down with all their information. and, And I'm the opposite. You know, I, I'm my my information's everywhere. I had a uh, someone tell me that they lost my phone number, and I said, "Well, why didn't you Google me?" You know, if you type my name in Google, my phone number pops right up. <laughs> it's yeah. everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, Googling works.
2: Yes. Yeah. I, on, a, on a more crude joke, I I told someone I yeah you know, I, I go in bathrooms and write call for a good house, <laughs> <help." laughs> You know. <laughs>
0: That's great advice. Yeah. Now, what about people on Pine Island? Though? I know people are, they're wanting to sell their homes, they're wanting to buy another home somewhere, you know, after they don't want to go through. I, we've heard a number of people say they don't want to go through this again. Um, what What do you tell them now? What What would your advice be?
2: Uh, you know, the market out here has softened because of the, the storm and, and the damage. And it's been a, a whole new world. Um, what I tell a lot of people is, is just move forward with realistic expectations, okay? If you, you go forward with wanting to get a, a higher price tag than, than where the market value is, is setting, your house is going to sit. You're not going to be able to sell it. If you have a, a realistic expectation, um, uh, a good analysis of the market, um, I, I think you'll be able to sell it. That's
0: good advice.
2: It, it and, and you know I've I've heard before uh, actually when when my brokerage bought out Pine Island Realty John Arwood bought mm-hmm. out Pine Island Realty uh, there was a gentleman uh, sitting next to me at at the uh, the restaurant one night and he said oh these realtors are just going to drive the price up and I kind of chuckled and I said I don't know if you've ever looked at the uh, for sale by owner section of Zillow but normally realtors are, are I have to talk those folks down. Uh, you know, my job is not to to dictate the price or, or drive up the price. Uh, if anything, I want to drive the price down for my buyers, uh, maybe up a little for my sellers. Uh, but my job is to listen to the market. You know, my job is to to analyze what similar houses are selling for and and let you know what that's doing. Um, now, if I market it well and we can get multiple buyers and and drive the price up a little through a bidding war, because of demand. Uh, that's what we want to do. Um, but I think you know it's point it's essential for people to understand that I, I don't just pull numbers out of the sky um, or or try to, to inflate the prices. I try to give people what the market is telling me. Yeah. Well, it's it's where you have to be. If you if you go too high, um, you're gonna you're gonna sit on the market. You have to create demand.
0: Well, thank you. This has been fascinating. I can't believe how fast the time's gone. Um, you've been very interesting. Thank you. We appreciate you coming out here. And uh, thank Nicole for telling us about you. Wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. I think it's, it's great that you're, you're highlighting um, you know, all these local leaders and, and
1: really uh, getting the word out about Pine Island. We hope you enjoyed our Pine Island Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us, people to interview, or any comments, please feel free to email them to us at Experience at gmail.com. That's Experience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. And remember... Island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next podcast.